Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. A Ticats legend joins us to discuss his career. We have tax tips, an economic storm. Actor Aaron Ashmore joins the show. Beyonce is a country star and CFL free agency doesn't disappoint. The GMH podcast begins now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Last week, big announcement from Tim Hortonsfield's Simone Lawrence announcing that he was graduating a.k.a. retiring from football. I'm done playing football, and I'm graduating to the big boys' league, going to hang out with the big boys. Uh, Super grateful for everything that this city has brought to me and my family. And I I say it right back, super grateful that Simone Lawrence is part of Hamilton. And to that end, tomorrow is going to be a big day for Sim. It's Simone Lawrence Day in Hamilton from 12 to 1 at City Hall. They're going to celebrate the illustrious Ticats linebacker, and the graduation is set for tomorrow night at Tim Hortons Field. Everyone who donated $21 to Food for Kids Hamilton, and those tickets were gone fast. They'll be in attendance tomorrow what should be a special night at the Donut Box. Joining us now is the one and only Simone Lawrence, now the community and brand ambassador with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Simone, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fantastic. I, I understand you're a little under the weather this morning. Oh, man, who's counting? (laughs) (laughs) Take us back to this decision. You you had a decision, obviously, to potentially re-sign with the Ticats and keep playing or say, you know what, let's hang up the helmet. Uh, How was that like? It was it was such a it was a it was a difficult decision for sure. You know, um, I compare it to, you know, like football was like my first love. So it was like something that was extremely difficult because I'm like, I can't even imagine what I would do. And I never had a summer not playing football in my whole entire life except COVID. So, and that was extremely difficult. But, you know, just weighing all the options and just doing what makes sense for myself and what I want later in my life, I thought this was the best opportunity. When did you know it was time to step away? Um, I don't think it was like a certain moment that came and it was like oh it's time to step away I think it was just like just looking at life you know like I'm mid-30s so I'm like man I want a family you know I want I want kids potentially I want like the whole all that stuff too you know and you know football consumed my life you know like if you ask anybody you know I put football first in everything um uh so like just being able to turn a leaf and being able to hopefully move on in life in that such. There were a lot of fans wondering, would you go somewhere else to play? Was that ever an option? Uh, uh, for, for sure. Look at the possibilities and stuff, but it just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, if I go and win a Grey Cup somewhere else or anything, like, it just wouldn't feel right. You know what I mean? Like, I put a lot of time and energy in this community and city, and as much as I love football, I love the people in Hamilton. And I know everybody, all the savages, they'll follow me wherever I go. But, you know, I just want to be loyal to the soul. There are some prolific football players, both CFL and NFL, who never won a championship. You know, Dan Marino, one of my you know all-time faves, never did it. You got to four games. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to four games. He just couldn't get that trophy. Is that does it, does it leave an empty feeling? Nah, man, I just, uh, I love, you ever watch Charles Barkley on TNT? Shaq always makes fun of him, but 
it's a it's a fun it's a funny thing, but you know it's just part of the game. You know, everybody doesn't reach that mountaintop as far as you know winning a championship. And you know, in the ultimate team game, we understand that it's the ultimate team game. So you know. That's just how it is. Simone Lawrence is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. The Hamilton Tiger Cats new community and brand ambassador. He's going to continue to do what he does best, and that is flash that smile and make people feel good. And he's certainly done that in a variety of ways over the last number of years. You came to Hamilton in a trade February 2013. Traded to the Tiger Cats along with quarterback Jeremiah Masoli, offensive lineman Greg White, in return, Edmonton gets linebacker Nathan Kenya and the rights to offensive lineman Carson Rockhill, who then actually came back to Hamilton. It was head coach and GM at the time, Ken Austin's first major move. And the GM in Edmonton at that time was Ed Hervey, who's now the GM of the Ticats. Do you remember that day? Yeah, I remember that day. I was in, I remember, I was in college at University of Minnesota, actually. Um, and, and I heard all the news. It was freezing cold. I think my Camaro got stuck in the snow, and I was waiting for my girlfriend at the time to come and get me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I remember the day like it was yesterday. You know, it was one of the best things that happened to me. And were you thinking, where's Hamilton? You know, I, didn't, I got a funny story. I'm not know if I can tell it yet, but maybe I'll tell it long. I'll give you the, I'll give you the um, first time I tell the story, I'll make sure I tell you, but i got to double-check and make sure I can tell the story. <laughs> okay. well, it's a real good story. <laughs> that That is a hook of all hooks. <laughs> By the way, at the time of that trade, Simone, I'm not sure if you read all the news in the papers, but the spec at the time reported that the key to the deal for Hamilton was Voight, who was a good player and was a Western All-Star, but it turned out very different, not only for you, but for Jeremiah as well. Yeah, you know... Um, Everybody guesses when those kind of stuff go on. You know, nobody can really predict the future or the work ethic that people are willing to put in, you know. So, I mean, I feel like everybody's just taking their best hypothesis when those kind of trades are going on, for sure. Tomorrow is Simone Lawrence Day in Hamilton, 12 to Let's 1 go. at City Hall. <laughs> and you're going to get the where keys. Where are you going to be, man? man I'm, I know where I'm at. Are you, You're going to get the keys to the Snowmone Lawrence snowplow. What kind of damage are you set to do tomorrow? I'm just, look, I'm here for the people, you know, community ambassador. I make sure everybody's driveways cleared out. Anybody <laughs> needs some help. Anybody gets stuck in the snow, give me a call. I'll come and get them out. You know, we're just going to keep moving Hamilton forward, of course. If someone's Camaro is stuck in the snow, you know who to call. For sure, I got you. <laughs> hey, last <laughs> last word to you. Your 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 words on the fans in Hamilton. Oh man, the fans in Hamilton are the absolute best, and um, I'm so grateful for them. Like I said in my press conference the other day, because they're the reason that they elevated me to this level. You know, of life after football so i'm extremely grateful for them i can't wait to see all of them from 12 to 1 and then 7 30 to 10 i know the tickets sold out in what 10 20 minutes they okay. said yeah so um i just i just i'm just looking forward to seeing everybody you know i'll be around and you know i'll be in the community i'll be at the schools i'll continue to do what we've been doing um in the community and I'm extremely grateful. Thank you. You can come out to City Hall tomorrow, 12 to 1. And again, if you have tickets to the graduation tomorrow night at Tim Hortons Field, uh, all the proceeds helping Food for Kids Hamilton. Simone, we'll see you around. Enjoy the day and certainly uh, Simone Lawrence Day tomorrow.
Thank you. Go Tigers. You got it. That is Simone Lawrence, community and brand ambassador with the Tiger Cats. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It is officially the start of tax filing season. That's right. Get out your pencil sharpener and get all those tax forms. No, actually, you don't have to do it like that anymore. Lots of great software online or in your store to purchase. And it, it certainly comes in handy if you're doing it yourself. To that end, our poll question of the day on X at AM900CHL is asking that very question. With tax filing season officially underway, do you file your own taxes or have someone else do it? On X at AM900CHML, 58% say I have someone else do it. 42% say I file my own taxes. You can also have your say on the text line 905-645-3221 or on email rick at 900chml.com. And there's also a an important deadline that's happening here to talk about it is Jerry Vitoratos, the National Tax Specialist at UFile Canada. Jerry, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming back on the show. So this uh, Friday is an important deadline. What's going on? Well, it's not this Friday, actually. It's next Thursday, right? That's well, the RSP th- oh, deadline that's right. you're yes. talking about, right? Yes, yes. Um, Got my days mixed up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it'll be this Thursday, uh, the 29th, though. That's the key, though, is that because we're a leap year this year, the deadline is the 29th mm-hmm. and not March 1st, which is the ordinary deadline, uh, because the, the rule says it's the first 60 days. So it doesn't say March 1st, right? So so if there's a, a leap year, the deadline is February 29th, which is this Thursday. Uh, not this Thursday, next Thursday. Next sorry. Thursday, yes. Yeah, I was a week I was a week in advance <laughs> on that one. So we have some time. You were time. eager. Like, you were yeah, eager to I, contribute. That's I, why. I can breathe a little easier now that uh, I actually... I actually went to go file my taxes on the weekend and I was like, what What do you mean we can't file yet? We can't, the, the, the filing season actually began, I think it was yesterday was the first official day you can do so. But why is the RRSP contribution deadline so important to many Canadians? Well, for, for the very simple reasons that you get that last chance to contribute and make it count towards the tax return you are filing. So it's, it's the, you know, the, the actual contribution period for the year is actually usually, uh, forget a leap year for a second, it will usually be March 2nd to March 1st. That's essentially the, the actual contribution period that counts for that tax year. So for example, for 2023, your contribution period is the 2nd of March, 2023 till the February 29th, 2024. So we have those those extra, you know, not extra, but we have those 60 days in the following year to contribute in order to have a count towards the tax return we are filing, which in our case is 2023. When I was doing my taxes over the weekend, I came across a one page in the online software that I was using, and it was FHSA. And I'm like, what? what is that? And I was trying to rack my brain. It wouldn't give me what the acronym stood for. And I actually figured it out on myself, the first home savings account. And this is an important thing to look at. Yes. Uh, so the FHSA is, is similar to the RSP in the sense of it is a registered account. Okay. So meaning that any uh, any contributions you make to that fund and and, and the funds that are that to me, you make to that to, to that plan and they stay within the plan, they're tax sheltered. So the government does not touch it. Now the difference between the FHSA and the RSP is that the FHSA is a lot more targeted. So the FHSA, the goal of it, the purpose of the uh, of that plan is for the saving of a down payment of what the government considers 
considers as your first home. And that's why I say what the government considers is because to the government, you are, you are a purchaser of a first home when you have not lived in a property that you owned in the last four years. Mm -hmm. So the moment you meet that criteria, then you are eligible to create this new plan, which is the FHSA. Now, the advantage of the FHSA is twofold. It kind of shares uh, characteristics with the RSP and the TFSA that we already have around, which is the tax-free savings account. Contributions to the FHSA are tax deductible, exactly like an RSP. Withdraws from the FHSA later on when you purchase your first home, and again, it has to be for the down payment of a purchase of a first home, they are tax-free. So that's the nice part is that it kind of shares the best of both uh, of both uh, plans. And the purpose, again, is for the down payment of a purchase of a first home. And it can represent quite a few savings if you let it accumulate for five to 10 years. The government allows you up to $8,000 annually to contribute to it and up to $40,000 over, over your lifetime. So is this going to eliminate the home buyer's plan? No, you can actually combine it. Oh, That's okay. the advantage of this. So, so there, there are differences with the home buyer's plan. The home buyer's plan, it's also a tax-free withdrawal, but it's really a loan. You're borrowing from your RSP to contribute to the down payment of your first home. Mm -hmm. And then after the, the second year after you've made the withdrawal under the home buyer's plan, you have to pay it back. And you pay it back through 15 installments. So you do it over 15 years. The FHSA, the advantage of it is that you can withdraw from it tax-free and you don't have to pay it back. Now, the other advantage here with the, with the FHSA and the home buyer's plan is that you could actually combine the two. So you could withdraw from both programs when you purchase your first home. Hmm. Very interesting. I'm sure that'll save uh, a lot of people a lot of headaches and a lot of money as well. Jerry, we'll have to leave it there. So appreciative of your time this morning. Uh, be well. Great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Jerry Vitoratos is a national tax specialist with U-File Canada, and uh, most Canadians will be filing their tax return by April 30th. That is the deadline. Of course, the RSP contribution deadline, February 29th, which is next Thursday, not this Thursday, but next Thursday. And April 30th is the tax return deadline. Although... If you're self-employed, there are different deadlines in terms of whether you're self-employed or not. But April 30th, for most people, uh, that is the deadline to file your taxes. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We are expecting, at least the, the economic pundits out there, are expecting an economic storm. So much so they're warning us about this storm that is brewing right now. And some of them are pointing to a massive earnings drop from Canadian Tire. It reported a 65% decline in profits in the fourth quarter compared to Q4 of 2022. How real and how big is this storm? Let's ask an expert. Eric Cam is a professor of macroeconomics at Toronto Metropolitan University and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Eric, good morning. Thanks for waking up this, this morning. Thanks for the invitation, Rick. Is, is this economic storm real? Is something really brewing out there? Oh, it's really brewing, and it's going to be more than a storm. We ha are in a really, really tough spot right now, Rick, just in terms of businesses alone. Last year, the total number of insolvencies was up 23%, and for businesses, 41%. And we're heading into a really dangerous period where there's a bit of a double whammy in the economy. Demand is still down from where it was pre-COVID. Supply, as much as the supply chain has improved is still not where it was pre-COVID. And anyone who's ever picked up an economics textbook knows that if demand is down uh, and supply is down, then prices are going to rise. 
And that's what's going on right now. So you have businesses that are facing lower demand for their products, while the cost of all of their inputs are rising. And so to your point, I think this insolvency trend is unfortunately, Rick, just starting. When it comes to discretionary spending, that has pretty much evaporated, right? I mean, interest rates where they are, uh, mortgage rates going up, people are really pinching their pennies. They have to. This is the worst economic outlook this country's had since the Second World War. The reality is, is that if you look at every macroeconomic indicator, and I'm talking about GDP, consumption, investment, pick your favorite. There's about 50 that I look at. They're either flat, and that's a good thing right now, or they're trending down. And so you have far too many Canadians who are about one paycheck away from insolvency. So I can't blame Canadians on a micro level for saving their money because they don't want to be, if they're one paycheck away from um, homelessness or being unable to feed or dress their families, you can't blame them for not spending. The problem is when you aggregate and you say, look at all of these people not spending, then you have an economy that's in decline because the economy, as much as it's complicated, Rick, it's kind of simple. If you don't spend... The economy doesn't grow. If it doesn't grow, then jobs start to fall away, and then we get a recession. So yes, it's a very perilous time right now. And we have news of you know mass layoffs. Bell, BCE, just the latest one to to trim its workforce. Uh, the tech industry has made a number of you know moves to uh, lighten the load, so to speak, in terms of payroll. It, And that obviously has an impact on the greater public, too, because they might be not in those industries, but seeing those stories, reading those headlines and thinking, well, I should start saving for a rainy day and not contribute to the economy. You know, I'm a big apologist for capitalism. (laughs) But one of the things that is dicey about it is that we don't have the luxury of saying, well, luckily, I'm not in that industry because the economy is one great big thing. And so when one industry is decimated or two industries are decimated, it can really be a draw on the economy. And so I picked out one example for the listeners that last month, I don't know if they know, but small businesses faced a deadline to repay the interest-free loans um, that they received during the pandemic. And out of the 900,000 who had taken the government support, still a fifth had not repaid those loans. Now you ask yourself, is that bad? Well, it's really bad because number one, that's a big number. And number two, they borrowed that money either interest-free or at the then going rate of 0.25% as a prime. Well, we know the prime's gone up 10 times and now it's 5%. So anybody who's ever had a mortgage or debt knows if you borrow at less than 1% and you have to pay it back at 5%, it's going to be trouble. And so it doesn't matter if you're talking about a household or a business right now. We have far too many people holding far too much debt, which now we don't get to pay back at those historic lows anymore, Rick. And that's why they call it a storm. Eric Ham is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Eric is a professor of macroeconomics at Toronto Metropolitan University, and we're talking about troubling economic... uh, storm brewing here and uh, you know you, you mentioned the word recession i know that about half of canadian mortgages still haven't renewed at these higher rates are, are we is the worst yet to come i think it is and i'm actually really glad you brought that up 
because uh, I mentioned that this weekend on the Roy Green show, that that's right. About 50 to 60% of mortgages are still to be renegotiated at these new rates. And I'm afraid that there could possibly be blood on the streets when you combine it with one other fact, which is there is, in theory, as much as my grandfather said, all debt is bad, it's not. There's good debt and bad debt. Bad debt, Rick, as we know, is credit card debt because that in real terms is at about 25 to 30 percent you're paying on credit card debt and canadians right now if you add it up are at about 12 billion dollars in credit card debt now just imagine that kind of debt load and then you find out that your mortgage payments as some people i know if they were on variables their mortgage payments have doubled and you ask yourself how can the average canadian family or the average canadian business withstand an economic hit like that and sadly the answer is they can't and there's going to be a lot of renegotiation i fear there's going to be a lot of people bailing out of their houses when the reality comes that they just can't afford a life anymore that they got used to when money was so cheap well troubling times for sure ahead eric thanks for breaking it all down this morning and we'll talk to you soon Stay healthy, Rick. Eric Ham is a professor of macroeconomics, Toronto Metropolitan University. And uh, we should mention as well, StatsCan is going to release the uh, January Consumer Price Index report today. Many of the major banks all projecting the annual inflation rate is going to go from 3.4% uh, in December, 3.2% last month. It'll hover around that number. We'll see uh, later on this morning you're listening to the good morning hamilton podcast from 900 chml a special screening for a new movie is going to be held tomorrow night at the playhouse the movie is called suze wakey wakey little graduate i'm so proud of you you're my everything morning suze please don't call me suze sorry suze Get what you see in this guy. I love him and he worships me. But honey, you're starting university. He's starting nothing. Happy grad, everyone. We're the emotional morons. Baby, I'm going to miss you so hard. Wait, what? It's your favorite. I I love you so much, sweetie. Do you feel like you're going to throw up too, Suze? This, This really looks like a good movie. I was watching the trailer over the weekend. And the special screening is going to be followed by a Q and a with director Dane Clark and Lindsay Stewart, as well as Hamilton-based actor Aaron Ashmore. And Aaron joins us now on GMH on 900 CHML. Aaron, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. How are you doing? I'm good. So you play the father of the ex-boyfriend, right? I do. Uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm not the best father. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, poor kid uh, didn't do well on the on the parent front here. Yeah. So what was this like shooting this movie in Hamilton with some of the other actors who were involved? It's a great cast. Yeah, it's an excellent cast. Uh, Charles, uh, Charlie Gillespie plays my son, super talented young guy. And Michaela Watkins plays Suze, the title character. And yeah, it's I moved out to Hamilton about six years ago, and I've just been so impressed with the film community out here and how many great projects are coming out here to shoot. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm proud to be part of a, what I think is a really, really great movie shot here in Hamilton. You're coming from one movie hub in BC to another in Hamilton. What was that transition like? Well, actually, yeah, I was born out in Vancouver, but I really was raised in Ontario. So I lived in Toronto for a long time, but I've worked uh, in both coasts and uh, both amazing, you know, uh, the Canadian industry in general is pretty amazing. But uh, 
you know, Toronto's my my real home base. I sort of uh, grew up there, and yeah, I sort of moved out to Hamilton. I guess I guess six years ago now. So uh, really enjoying it out here, though. Nice. So tell us about this movie. What can uh, viewers expect to see? Uh, well, it's really about an an odd couple. This um, this woman whose daughter is going away to university and her daughter's now ex-boyfriend and it's sort of this odd couple where she starts taking care of him because he needs it and this bizarre funny odd couple friendship sort of develops between these two unlikely characters and it's a really really funny film but also really poignant and emotional and i think that's what the filmmakers nailed is just this beautiful balance between comedy and and heart and a lot of movies try for that and i think sort of it's a difficult tone to balance but i think they've really done it in this movie it really it, it kind of paints a picture of here's a a mom who's losing her kid to college but kind of like uh, adopts this well your son in the movie and mm-hmm. they don't really get along but they find their way well that's just it i think uh, one of the themes of the movie is sort of loneliness, mm-hmm. and I think we can all relate to that on some at some point in our lives or at some point. And it's really about this odd couple, these this young guy and this uh, woman finding this bizarre friendship and sort of leaning on each other in this time where they both really need it. And I don't think either of them could have foretold that they were the <laughs> that this would be the relationship that would be working for them so well. So yeah, it's it's really funny and again, really heartfelt when uh, when it comes down to it. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Aaron Ashmore is the Hamilton-based actor who plays the character Rick in the movie Suze and a special screening will be held tomorrow night at the Playhouse, 7 p.m. And it's going to be followed by a Q&A with some of the stars and the directors in the movie, including yourself as well. What do you expect to hear from people who consume the movie and then kind of react to it? I think people are going to really enjoy it. And I say that because I did, you know, I read the script, I was involved with the production. And even when I saw the film, I was just so blown away by how how it's sort of difficult because as an actor, you know, you work on all sorts of different things. And I'd say about one in five projects, you feel really come to fruition, really fulfill their potential. And I think that this is one of those film. So I really think that other people are going to get that out of it as well. And that's sort of been the feedback that I've uh, heard from everybody that's seen it. So I, I, I'm I, hoping that uh, the Hamilton crowd will be as responsive as well. This was also filmed in Hamilton. How cool is that to be living in a place where you're actually making, you don't have to travel very far to go to the, to go to the set. <laughs> well, that's when I, when I first moved to Hamilton from Toronto, I thought, oh, I'm just going to be commuting back and forth all the time. <laughs> But the first two or three jobs I I booked were all out in Hamilton, and that's starting to become um, more and more common. I think, you know, there's a great film community here, and there's great locations, and I think the city of Hamilton is very responsive and open to filming, and I think that is going to create a great uh, community, film community here. Are you also kind of recruiting through osmosis when projects come up? And they might be thinking, you know, where should we film this? Are you, are you pitching Hamilton as a good place to do so? <laughs> I'm I'm always singing Hamilton's praises. I, I have friends who I'm trying to get to move out here. And anytime I hear anybody thinking about coming out this way, even separate from the film thing, but I'm always encourage everybody. I, I've been so impressed and so happy with uh, with Hamilton as a city and a place. I got two kids. I'm happy to raise them here. And yeah, I think the more and more... Uh, uh, filming and, and that that comes out here, the better. I think people are going to be impressed. Any uh, unique spots where you did film in Hamilton? 
Uh, where did we film on this one? This one I was sort of uh, just shooting sort of in in like some suburban areas and stuff like that. Nothing nothing crazy. But I do think that Hamilton itself, the downtown, can double for any any city, any you know modern city in the world, or like you know Chicago, New York, Toronto, anything like that. So I I think that Hamilton does have a unique. Uh, you know, where we have nature and stuff surrounding us, but we also have the big city vibe uh, right downtown, which I think can double for all sorts of things. Absolutely. In our last minute, uh, what are you up to these days? After after Sue's strikes it big, what's next on the agenda? Uh, I've got a couple uh, shows that I've uh, been working on in the series in the past that are coming back, but they haven't been announced yet, so I'm not really supposed to be plugging them too much, but I will be very busy coming into the spring, and uh, yeah, I will hope to be able to promote that stuff when it is actually announced. That's great to hear. You can check out Sue's special screening tomorrow night at the Playhouse and a Q&A afterwards with some of the stars behind it. Aaron, thanks for the time today. Good luck with us. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate your time. Aaron Ashmore, Hamilton-based actor who plays the character Rick in the movie Suze. Check out, if you want to check out the trailer, S-U-Z-E. It is really heartwarming. It's funny, as Aaron mentioned, poignant as well. It's a good story. I'm looking forward to seeing it at the Playhouse tomorrow night. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It is a catchy tune. It's called Texas Hold'em, and it's from Beyonce. A little known fact, it's not her first country song, but this track is making headlines in the country music scene. She dropped two new country songs during the Super Bowl, Texas Hold'em, the song you just heard, and 16 Carriages, while announcing a new album, Act Two. Is the 32-time Grammy Award winner about to take over the country world by storm? I'll say this, after she released her two country tracks... Streaming of her 2016 country song, Daddy Lessons, spiked 370%. Eric Alper is a publicist and music commentator and joining us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Eric, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Yeehaw. (laughs) Beyonce (laughs) proving once again she can do it all. Yeah, especially because she is moving quite seamlessly and secretly into the country music world. Nobody really had any idea that this was going to be her next batch of releases and certainly maybe not a whole album of this. But the more that you think about it, though, it kind of shouldn't be so much of a surprise. Look, Beyonce is just a legend in pop and R&B. But when you get down to it, though, here's an artist that has come from and was born and raised in Texas. And country music isn't really that far off when it comes to um, the, the the sameness of country music and R&B. Look, there, there's obviously, you know, the instruments are the same um, and maybe the methods in terms of technology might be different, um, but the storylines are the same. And certainly we've seen a lot of success in the last number of years with somebody like Nelly hooking up with a Florida Georgia line, Tim McGraw, um, connected with Nelly for a top 20 hit. So it's not that far off as people may think it is with R&B and country music. She's 42. Is this her musical rebirth? Because there comes a time where musicians are looking for a new challenge. Is this it? Yeah, you you know what? You're exactly right. I think when you kind of conquer Earth, 
you might be looking for more planets. Hi, Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> but if you're a musician, you're always looking to surprise yourself, to challenge yourself, to keep creative. And maybe she's just thinking that I want to go back to my roots a little bit and I want to do something different. Um, she has probably gone to quietly a number of country music festivals. And if you have as well, you'll see that the audience there isn't the audience that grew up necessarily with Roy Clark or Johnny Cash on Hee Haw. They're growing up with rap and rock and hip hop and R&B and techno in their lives from the very beginning. So you once you have somebody like Beyonce bringing country music to an audience that may or may not um uh, kind of find themselves at a country music station or at a festival, this opens up a whole lot of doors, not only for her, but African-American artists in general who have always had a little bit of a problem when it comes to country music radio and airplay. She's busting down yet another door, breaking down that cultural divide. Absolutely. How is the country music world reacting to this? Yes, yeah, so far pretty good. In only a couple of days, it's number 38 on not only on the pop airplay chart, um, but so far um, it's number 11 on the R&B chart. Um, and on the country music chart, it's kind of like it's doing really well. It's going to end up in the top 40 this week um, just due to the President's Day holiday mm -hmm. down there. They ended up having one more day's worth of spins and streams. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it breaks through the top 40 chart there. But so far, country music stations, at least the key ones, are on it. There's over 100 stations. I have 150 that billboard monitors for their chart have already spun it at least once. And and the music and program directors are kind of enjoying this. They're saying that, you know, this is something different and radio stations like to be heard and stand out from the pack of the other radio stations. The song is sounding great and it doesn't really sound like anything else. So I think radio trackers and radio promoters and music directors are looking at this as a way to maybe steal some of the R&B and pop and rhythmic airplay audiences away and bring them into country music radio. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of untapped potential on, on all sides here. we got about 45 seconds. We've seen uh, some country artists move over to crossover to pop. You know, Taylor Swift might be a, a, the most recent and, and big example. Are we going to have more and more go the other way around, looking at country to say, wow, there's some untapped uh, audience yeah. there? Yeah. What's interesting is that country music stations kind of dropped Taylor Swift once she went to pop, feeling like it was almost like a betrayal. But R&B and pop music will not feel that way towards Beyonce. They'll be right behind her saying, go girl, and you know, making sure that they still support her, even if this one or two country album down the road. Interesting stuff. Eric, thanks for your insight this morning. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk soon. Eric Alper is a publicist and music commentator. Beyonce making waves in the country music scene. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Big news on a family day for the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Canadian Football League. The Tiger Cats re-signing free agent receiver Tim White, the marquee player in free agency to a two-year contract. Taylor Powell in the shotgun, gets the snap, steps back. Here's the pressure from the Argos, and he slings it off to his left. It's a low pass. Tim White makes the catch, dives into the end zone. Touchdown, Tiger Cats. Tim White 
Back-to-back games with a touchdown for White. R.J. Broad had the call on the Ticats Audio Network and 900 CHML as Tim White, as he quite often does, found the end zone on that play. That deal kind of put a stamp on week one of Canadian Football League free agency. Here to give us a peek at what might come and what has happened over the last number of days, Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation and also a CFL analyst with Sportsnet. Justin, good morning. Welcome to Good Morning Hamilton. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate you having me on. I, I was imagining the Cats without Tim White. That would have been a pretty big hole if the 29-year-old CFL All-Star said, you know what, I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> it would have been a massive change. And I think, in reality, talking to people around the league, there was never a real chance that he was going to leave Hamilton, but he certainly tested the market and had an asking price. He wanted around $300,000 on his new contract. I don't think he got quite that, but... He wanted to at least push up the compensation from the Tiger Cats to stay in the hammer. So now that he is on board, how does that impact the other free agents who are still looking for either uh, contracts from their current teams or looking to jump ship to another uh, team in the CFL? Really, any of the guys that are left on the market now are kind of in that bargain hunting mentality in terms of how the teams are viewing them because how far we are in a free agency, as you said, that first official week, and really it's over two weeks because of the legal tampering period that they have now where teams can talk to pending free agents for a week before the actual official opening of it. So there's not a lot of huge name left. There's some value names, you know, like a lucky whitehead is out there who has had some pretty good seasons in the CFL, but guys like that now are going to be taking contracts probably less than they thought they would have had to. When we look at all the moves that happened over the last seven days, and, and even before that, he mentioned like two weeks with the the non-tampering window, are, are there clear-cut winners and losers in terms of teams and or players? I don't necessarily like to kind of go that way because I want to see how the season plays out, right? I think a lot of people would look at the Ottawa Red Blacks being a winner because they got Drew Brown kind of early in this process, trading for his rights from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, getting Dominic Rimes, a number one receiver, and Darius Pickett, who was a really good strong side linebacker with the Argonauts, to go to the nation's capital. And then some might talk about the Saskatchewan and Rough Riders being winners, too, getting Jamarcus Hardrick, an all-star right tackle. But last year, at the same time, the Alouettes were losing players left and right because of an uncertain ownership status. And everybody had them last in the power rankings, and lo and behold, they go out and win the Great Cup. So I feel like free agency is a great time to retain the players that you've developed, like a Tim White, maybe add a piece here or there, and then we'll see what plays out during the season. If you're on a big spending spree, I think that shows that the last couple of years you probably haven't scouted, developed, or drafted very well. Given what happened in Montreal last year, you know, they, they change owners, you know, they, they kind of, it seemed like, settled for Cody Fajardo. He was the, the only kind of quarterback left after Trevor Harris went to Saskatchewan. Did that give some teams pause come this free agency to say, hey, we don't have to, you know, blow our bank accounts and signing these guys to high, high price contracts? I think it did at certain positions. And one of those positions, unfortunately for Tim White, happened to be a receiver because the last couple of years the Edmonton Elks had gone out and signed a receiver first it was Kenny Lawler then it was Geno Lewis to contracts over $300,000 and they won four games each of those seasons so I think what teams did reevaluate how they were going to spend that money and 
as part of the reason why Tim White was asking for $300,000, but teams thought, no, you know, that really hasn't worked for the Elks, and it hasn't worked any other time really in the CFL to give receivers as dynamic as they can be that kind of money. So we're going to spend it elsewhere. We're going to spend it on Canadians. We saw Brady Oliveira have lucrative offers on the table from the Hamilton Tiger Cats, $275,000. From the BC Lions, a contract that was three years in length that stepped up every year starting at 250000 and then went up from there for the next two years of the contract. So I think teams looked at it in a little bit of a different way, but they also have their own philosophies as well. And right now in Hamilton, we're seeing Ed Hervey's philosophy as he takes over the general manager position. Justin Dunk is with 3 Down Nation. Check them out online, 3downnation.com. Also a CFL insider with Sportsnet. We're breaking down CFL free agency after the news that Tim White re-signed with the Tiger Cats yesterday. It's a two-year contract. I would say one of the biggest winners in free agency has signed a deal, but not with a CFL team, and that was with an NFL team, and that's Matthew Betts. How how big of a deal is it for him that he's not in the CFL, but now trying to make a career in the National Football League? It's huge. He had lucrative offers on the table from multiple CFL teams. Hamilton Tiger Cats were certainly in the mix on that. And from what I was told, he was looking at potentially making $275,000 and maybe even in around that $300,000 mark as an outstanding defensive lineman. Betts set the single-season CFL sack record by a Canadian last year with 18 sacks and 18 regular season games. Drew interest from NFL teams, worked out for the Buffalo Bills, Cleveland Browns, and Detroit Lions had multiple offers on the table from those teams. One was included some guaranteed money, but decided to go to the Detroit Lions, a deal that didn't have any guaranteed money in the contract because he felt like the depth chart was more in his favor in terms of chances of making the roster. And also, since Dan Campbell has taken over as the head coach there, more of these undrafted type of free agents, which is how the Lions are viewing him, have made that roster in Detroit. So he knows what he does in minicamp and organized training activities and in training camp, most importantly in the preseason, will be what decides if he makes that roster or not. Last one for you. we got about a minute. Week two of CFL free agency officially beginning today. What are the expectations? Is it going to be as busy as week one? No, I don't think it'll be as busy at all. You know, there might be some signings here and there, but I just think at this point in time, teams are going to wait. And the longer these players are out there, their values, unfortunately, are going to go down because a lot of the money has been spent for teams in terms of the salary cap allotment around the league. Like I said, you know, Lucky Whitehead is a big name out there. There's some other Canadian offensive linemen. That position has some real depth. But, you know, at this point, it's a real buyer's market. It's been a lot of fun. I'm sure that'll be uh, the case, although not as active as the last seven days. Justin, thanks for breaking it down with us. Thanks, Rick. Justin Dunk with 3Down Nation, online, 3downnation.com, and a CFL analyst with Sportsnet. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode and make sure you rate and review.